0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Log Hope, Radio.
1: Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations.
0: Well, good morning. My name is uh, Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful
1: Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is uh, May 28, 2011. And uh just want to go over uh, Mr. Camping here. He's, uh, this is what, usually happens with uh, false prophets that, uh in this age anyway, they uh, admit that they've made a mistake and then they say, well, I meant this. And now he's saying that the, the rapture or whatever he thought was going to occur at that time was just spiritual judgment has begun. It's just a spiritual judgment and, he, and now he feels that uh, the end of the world will happen October 21st and I can emphatically tell you that that's not going to happen. That's <laughs> And let me just prove that to you because this is very important, and we'll do this before we get into the actual Torah readings today because I just want you to understand uh, the mentality of uh, false prophets, which he is. Uh, So let me uh, do this, and we'll turn to uh, some scriptures here. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back here and let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13 first because some false prophets could be right about their predictions but what many people make the mistake of doing here, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 13 uh, starting in verse 1. And I'm reading this in the English Standard Version of the Bible. It says, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder, and a sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you. So, you know, God tests us to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him, and keep his commandments, and obey his voice. And you shall serve him, and hold fast to him. But that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, shall be put to death, because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of slavery, to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. All right, so the important thing... uh, that I want you to understand is that it's possible for the sign of wonder that he tells you to come to pass. But just because, and we were a part of an organization uh, where uh, a man may have said certain things and, and it appeared that it came to pass, just because a person says something's going to come to pass is not the test of whether or not that person is of God or not. Uh, there's a lot of other factors. Uh, do they the, the, Does the prophet teach the Torah of God? Does he teach the doctrines of God? Is he telling you to do um, the right thing? If if I'm a prophet and I tell you, well, there's going to be a, a tornado tomorrow in a specific area and it happens, then and then also I tell you, well, after the tornado, you can go ahead and rape women out on the street. I mean, that's a, that's a bad example. But if I tell you that according to God's law here, just because I predicted something accurately does not make me a prophet. A prophet of God is someone who's, who's going to tell you how to live the right way. A prophet of God is not just someone that is right about their predictions uh, of the world and, and catastrophes. A prophet of God also is someone that's going to teach you right, that's going to teach you the laws of God properly. That's the qualifications of a prophet. Not 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 just someone who knows how to foretell the future, but also someone who will teach you how to obey God's law. And that is something that um, I don't think too many people teach today. When people think of a prophet, they just think of somebody who uh, accurately predicts things of the future, and that's that. But a prophet is also someone that's going to teach you how to obey God, and they will teach you properly on how to obey God. So I want you to remember that. Now, uh, camping. This is uh, I want you to understand this in the, in the light of uh, camping here, And his uh, ministry that is deceiving people. Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, beginning in verse twenty-one, says, "And if you say in your heart, How may we know that the word of the Lord has not?" And if okay, wait, let's start in verse twenty. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak and this is uh, in uh, Camping's case, uh, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And and I hope, uh, I think his first name is Harold. I hope Harold Camping um, understands it. Let me make sure I get his name right. I don't know if it's Harold or what. Let me look it up here on the Internet here. Just type in Camping. May 21st. Yeah. I get it right. Harold Camping. That's his name. Oh boy. I just uh this is something me and my wife are fearing, but and it states here Harold Camping's May twenty first doomsday prompts suicides. Oh it says Harold Camping's May twenty first, doomsday prediction prompt rash reactions from many around the world with at least two suicides. So two people have already Committed suicide. A 14-year-old teen from Russia has committed suicide due to the fear of pending rapture. Victor Fraschner of Antioch, California, demanded on Saturday night to return to the reservoir where he had spent the day discussing spiritually with family and jumped into the water and drowned. The two marked the first of reports of rash behavior surrounding Camping's prediction. Harold Camping preached that on 6 p.m. May 21st, God's chosen people would be raptured, but those left behind on Earth would suffer from catastrophic eclismic disasters that will culminate in the ultimate destruction of the world, October twenty
0: 2011.
1: Let's see, what's her name? Ludmilla I guess, the mother of Russian teen, told Life News she took this date too close to heart. According to Russia's state-owned news agency, RIA, Lavasta, the girl reportedly hanged herself out of fear of Camping's predictions. Investigator Alexander Koshrin said the girl's behavior changed dramatically when she learned about the radio preacher's predictions, according to RIA Novosti. Nastya's diary revealed how terrified she was of the suffering that was to come and believed she was not one of the righteous people that would be taken up to heaven. I'm not going to read the rest of this, but this tells you when people do this silly stuff, what could happen here. And... Again, in Jeremiah chapter 17 states that we must not trust in a man, and what that really means is trusting blindly in what a man says. Because the, the terrible consequences of his false prophecy is, you know, just one person dying it's like the whole world died, according to how the Jews think, and I think that's an accurate uh, description of that. But this tells you the tremendous damage that this man has caused and he's he makes about 80 million dollars a year in his ministry so you sh- you see what his intent is but uh, it's just very 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 um, sad but anyway in verse 20 of Deuteronomy chapter 18 but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name they have not commanded him to speak or speaks in the name of other guys that same prophet shall die So, Mr. Harold Camping, he's in danger right now. He's totally in danger, and I hope he repents. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. All right? He made a mistake in 1994. He made a mistake again. He is not a true prophet of God. If he was... Accurate in his predictions, but he's wrong about his teachings about the law of God. He is still not a true prophet of God. Okay, those are the rules. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and Camping, Mr. Harold Camping, has. You need not be afraid of him. So that is the commandment. Please, if anyone is listening, that's tied into Harold Camping's ridiculous or uh, religious uh, prophet-making organization. Um, and his is not the only one; it's many of them. Um, please. Realize that you have no reason to be afraid of any of his predictions because he has already, according to the Torah of God, he's already been proven to be a false prophet. Please pass this message on to other people that you know have been suckered into his organization so that you and other people won't be committing suicide. Now, another thing you need to understand, let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. And let's start in verse 5 here. This is something that it took me and my wife, I guess a significant amount of time to understand. We we truly do understand these scriptures and what they mean. Jeremiah 17 verse 5. Thus says the Lord, "Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his uh, his uh, makes flesh his strength." This means the the blindly trusting a man. Like these people are blindly trusting Harold Camping enough to want to commit suicide uh or think about it anyway. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. And when you do that, when you just take your brain out and give it give it to someone and let them feed that brain uh anything that they want, that's what happens. And it tells you that the individual that allows it to happen, he is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in an inhabited salt land. So it tells you that this has indications of, of being stripped of financial capabilities, being able to support yourself, because it says, he shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness <laughs> in an uninhabited salt land. So you don't want to be in that situation. So please don't follow people like camping. Uh, don't follow people that have can, that prove that they don't know what they're talking about. God has given each and every one of you who are listening to me the ability to to get the Bible out and read it. Now, if you can't read, learn how to read. But if you know how to read, and if you have hands where you can go and get a dictionary and and look up meanings of words, you can do that. You can do that. And if you don't understand, ask someone. Ask me or, or some other Torah teacher on the correct rendering of a scripture. I have vast resources that I that I use to help me understand the Bible, and I offer them for free. Now, people I may refer you to may not, okay, but I do the best I can to offer information for free. This is I, I don't have a profit making uh, PRFIT profit making organization. That's not what true religion is about. It's about as in James one verse twenty seven states plainly uh, to help the widows in their distress. And and, and the fatherless, and that could mean spiritually, fatherless, or physical. So, that's what true ministry is all about. Ministry means service. You're serving your fellow human being. It's not about making money. Harold does not understand that, and other ministers don't understand that. But anyway, in verse 7 it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And this also means, of course, trusting Those who follow the Lord. Let me give you an example. In 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11. Verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul. Now. This is the only instance where you imitate anyone. Or follow anyone. In verse 1. Be imitators of me. As I am of Christ. So you have to prove that they're following the Lord. If they're not following the Lord, you're not commanded to follow them. Okay? And then, uh, as a companion scripture to this, if you turn to Ephesians 5, verse 1. Ephesians 5, verse 1. And this was also written by the Apostle Paul, or Shaul. That's his Hebrew name. Ephesians 5, verse 1. It says, therefore be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. One of the things that God did that many people, I think, forget is that he rested on the seventh day. God did. And so if God rested on the seventh day, in Ephesians 5, verse 1, it tells us to imitate him, we should also Rest on the seventh day in Mark 2 verse 27 Jesus plainly stated that the Sabbath was created for man that word in the original Greek is mankind the Sabbath is for all of mankind not just for the Jews Ephesians 5 verse 1 therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God Okay, so back to Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord. I I just wanted to explain to you, trusting the Lord is also trusting in his servants that prove that they can be trusted. I hope I've been very clear about that. Verse 8, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the streams and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Okay? And then in verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked or sick. Most men and women's hearts are in this state. And it says, who can understand it? Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. So that's what God does. He rewards us based on how we act. And a lot of things that he blesses us with, it may appear that it may not be good, but it is good. And you have to to trust him in those areas. So anyway, so much for Mr. Camping. So I just wanted to, to clarify that. And if anybody knows anyone who's been suckered into this organization, please refer this program to them and help them to realize that Mr. Camping is a false prophet. God has called him a false prophet. Don't be afraid of him. There's nothing about this man for you to be afraid of. All he's doing is is, uh, getting money from the people. And this man is going to be mightily judged of God uh, this article, if you care to, to, to look at it, it's the International Business Times. Uh, the headline of the article, just type it in your Google search engine. Harold Camping's May 21st Doomsday Prompts Suicides. Okay, So right there that tells you that this man is a false prophet. Stay away from him. Don't listen to his garbage, cause that's what it is. And I feel sorry for him because he's going to be judged mightily of God for, for doing this. He's lucky to be alive right now. Anyway, but hey, you know, God's going to do what he has to do to, to show this man that he's wrong. So anyway, uh, let's go over the Torah readings today. Uh, the The first five books of the Bible traditionally, that's what it's called by the Jews. Uh, Numbers uh, chapter 1 to Numbers 4, verse 20. We're going to read all of that. And I titled this program, The Numbering of Israel. And I'm going to get into a little bit about who Israel is, too. I, I seem like I have to do that every week. If you guys heard that, I apologize. Let me turn down the volume there. All right. Numbers chapter 1. All right, so this chapter begins with a census of Israel. So I'm going to read probably quickly over this. Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the Tent of Meeting on the first day. The Tent of Meeting meaning the tabernacle. Uh, the the Temple of God was originally a tabernacle. And then, it, of course, uh, God allowed Solomon to build the actual temple. But anyway, in the Tent of Meeting on the first day of the second month, in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt saying, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male. Now notice, it doesn't say female. Every male, head by head, from 20 years old and upward. So, obviously, at 20 years old, God looks at you as a full adult, even though traditionally, by Jewish tradition, at 13, you're considered a young adult. All right. Uh, from 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them company by company. And there shall be with you a man from each tribe, each man being the head of the house of his fathers. Okay? So that's significant. The man, not the woman, is the head of the house of the fathers. So God is, the way he sets up society, which unfortunately ever since World War Two, in this country, um, women want to be the head of families and the head of households and so forth. They, uh, I'm talking about the, the women's uh, uh, liberation movement, which has caused a lot of damage uh, in society today. God is not for a women's liberation movement. He is for women uh, not to be treated like animals. Uh, no woman should be treated like animal. woman is it's a part of a man, and a woman should be respected. A woman is the engine of a car, and the man drives the car, okay? But uh, how can you drive a car without the engine, right? So a woman plays a very significant role to helping the man, and a woman should not be treated like crap. And I know that's one reason why, a major reason why there is a women's liberation movement. On the other hand, women have to to understand and know their place, all right? And your place is number two, not number one in in the family. Now, of course, if something happens to the man he's not leading properly, then yeah, yeah, you assume that position. Okay, if he doesn't want to work, lazy, uh, disobeys God consistently, so consistently hurts the family, yes, you're going to have to assume the, the rulership position and, and, and separate or divorce from that individual, okay? But but uh, if the man is doing the best he can, and if he's a righteous man, then you are commanded of God to obey that man and realize that that man is your boss. just like you treat your boss at work, and you must obey that man. Okay, and uh, hold your place here. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. For you to understand this. Matter of fact, it's, it's interesting. Uh, that we're going back to the same chapter where it begins about being imitators of God. Okay, so uh, Ephesians chapter 5. starting at verse 15. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. So we have to, and I'm glad my son is here listening to this, we have to make the best use of our time. Because why? The days are evil. So we have to make the best use of our time. Verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, Understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's what we all must do. We we must be able to fellowship with one another and be happy with one another. Uh, There's no perfect fellowship, folks. Uh, Everyone... It's going to have their, their different levels of understanding about the Bible. The important thing is that you should fellowship with people who understand that the Sabbath should be kept, that the laws weren't nailed to the cross. Uh, believers that that honor the Torah and realized that Yeshua kept the Torah, Jesus kept the Torah, and he expects us to do the same. And, and and if you fellowship with those people that have that type of understanding, all these little little misunderstandings about prophecy and other things can be worked out. That's the important thing. Because as I was telling my wife the other day, Yeshua was perfect. Jesus is perfect. And yet he still fellowship with imperfect people. So if a perfect being can fellowship with imperfect people, certainly imperfect people like ourselves can fellowship with imperfect people. Okay? I'm just using common sense and logic. Anyway, verse 20. Giving thanks always. We should give thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So people take this scripture out of context and say, hey, you know, this is just referring to husband and wife. No, it's not. I mean, th- this is talking about the whole assembly of God submitting to one another. Now, we're getting specific, and it even has it in italics in a lot of Bibles, wives and husbands. Okay? So first of all, of course, he addresses the wife okay, and how she submits to her husband. And then it addresses how the husband submits his wife. So let's go let's, let's go to the woman first, twenty two, Ephesians five verse twenty two. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. He's the boss. Even as Christ is the boss or head of the church, his body and his and is himself his Savior. Alright? So a man should be the savior of his wife. Now as the church submits to Christ. So, you know, God is making this perfectly clear through the Apostle Paul. So, also, wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, when he thinks everything, it means everything right, not everything wrong, okay? If your husband tells you to go cut a chicken's head off or do some stupid stuff, you wouldn't do that, of course, right? Unless, you know, you didn't have any food to eat, right? But anything crazy that your husband tells you to do that you know is wrong, you're not commanded to obey that. That's that's common sense, okay? Okay. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So a husband should be willing to do things he doesn't like for the benefit of the family. That's sacrifice. You don't really have a man, women, if a a, a man is not willing to do that. Okay, If a man is not willing to, to humble himself and to sacrifice himself for the betterment of the family, he's not really a man. Because believe me, I know a man has to do that at times. Christ did it. He didn't want to get beat. He didn't want to come onto the earth and be ridiculed and spat on and called uh, a demon and mistreated. But he did it. Verse 25, 26. That he might sanctify her, or set her apart, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word and this Really, this this is really talking about the man's responsibility to teach his wife the word of God, so that he might present the ch- the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing that he that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his flesh, own flesh but nourishes and cherishes just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast or cling to his wife and the two shall be one flesh and one flesh means one flesh. You both are should be in agreement and you both do things together. You're a team. And, you know, marriage problems occur when one or the other or both don't understand this.
0: This
1: Mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. however let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband and That's a problem with the women's liberation today uh women have a hard time respecting their husbands and and not looking at them like they are the boss and i'm, I'm looking at i'm going to quote another scripture here. Because you need to understand this. And this is God's word here. So if you disagree with it, then that's, that's your business. My job is to preach you what God has said, not what someone else has said wrong. 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to read, actually I'm going to start in 1 in Peter chapter 2 so you can understand this clearly. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Actually, First uh, uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? So in other words, if you sin, you're just getting what you deserve. That's what God is saying here uh, through the Apostle Peter. First Peter uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 20. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So God is saying when you suffer, like in my personal situation right now, I have a client that owes me fifteen hundred dollars, one thousand five hundred and uh, what is it? I think sixty dollars. I think it's over fifteen. It's, it's over fifteen hundred dollars, and he hasn't paid me yet. I'm suffering for that. So much so now that I have to accept a full-time job that God has opened opened the door for me, and it may be a blessing. It, it, all indication is that it could be an opportunity uh, that that can really help me. So, God has blessed me through this situation, but it's been I tell you me and my wife can tell you and my son it's been a tough time for us i mean we've we've had to go get payday loans and all that and and it's just it's just uh suffering here, but it says here, but when you do good and suffer for it, this is gracious thing in the sight of God that's what he says verse twenty one four to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps, okay. So we must follow in his steps of suffering. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. In other words, he, wasn't lying, he didn't lie, not one time. Verse twenty three, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. He, he didn't seek on revenge. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And then in chapter 3 of uh, First Peter. Now, now you have the context. Likewise are in similar fashion. Wives be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word. An example of this is the the Esther situation. <laughs> Esther's husband was not a believer, folks, all right? That they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives, and she won over her her husband highly respected her. Alright? Esther. That they may be one without a word, without a word, and I think a lot of women are guilty of this. They are very wordy. When they criticize their husbands, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external. And the reason why he's saying this is because God knows women focus on clothes too much at times. The braiding of the hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. That shouldn't be the focus, women. Verse 4, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That's the way he wants women to act. Being gentle and have a quiet spirit or state of mind, which in God's sight is very precious. That's what's more precious to God is your behavior, not what you wear and how you look. Verse 5, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. By submitting to their own... That's how you truly adorn yourself, women, or wives. By submitting to your own husbands. As you submit to your boss at work. Verse 6. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, or Abraham, in Hebrew, calling him Lord. That means master, or boss. That's what your husband is. He's your boss. have a problem with that? You have a problem with God. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. In other words, she's weaker physically, and she's weaker uh, in in terms of, of not being able to endure the things that a man can endure. That's what this is talking about, all right? Since they are heirs with you, of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, if a man does not do that, then it says that prayers would be hindered if a man does not show proper respect toward his wife and treat his wife like a queen. That's the way way your wife is, husbands. Your wife is a queen. And if you treat her like a, a piece of garbage, then your prayers won't be answered. Remember, God created a woman from the man's rib. She's a part of you. Treat her that way. And she's a part of your flesh. And as as Ephesians chapter 5 states, no man ever hated his flesh. So don't hate your wife. Okay. Getting back to Numbers chapter 1. I'm going to try to quickly read through this, but I had to, to to point that out because this is talking about the number of Israel, numbering of Israel. Uh, this is talking about how the hierarchy of society was viewed by God and the way he still thinks society should be uh, organized. So you needed to understand that the family is the foundation of any society. So that's the reason why I went over that. All right, so Numbers chapter 1 verse 2 take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans by fathers houses according to the number of names every male head by head from twenty years old and upward all in Israel who are able to go to war you and Aaron shall list them company by company and there shall be with you a man from each tribe not a woman each man being the head of the house of his fathers and these are the names of the men who shall assist you from Reuben Eleazar the son of Shadiar from Simeon Shalumiah, the son of Zerashidi, from Judah. Nashan the son of Amadad, from Issachar. Nathaniel, uh, Nathaniel, the son of Zuar, from Zebulun. Elab, the son of Elon, from the sons of Joseph, from Ephraim. Elishamah, the son of Amahat, from Manasseh; Gamiel, the son of uh, Padishah, from Benjam, uh, Benjamin. Adonan, the son of Gideon, from Dan, Aziah, the son of uh, Amashada, Shaddai, rather, from Asher, Pagel, the son of Akron, from Gad, Elasaph, the son of Duel, from Naphtali, Ariah, the son of Enon. These were the ones chosen from the congregation or assembly. The chiefs of their, They're the chiefs of their ancestral tribes, the heads of the clans of Israel. Moses and Aaron took these men who had been named, and on the first day of the second month they assembled a whole congregation together who registered themselves by clans, by fathers' houses according to the number of names from twenty years old and upward head by head. As the Lord commanded Moses, so he listed them in the wilderness of Sinai. The people of Reuben, Israel's firstborn, their generations by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the numbers of names, head by head, every male from twenty years old and upward, all who were able to go to war. Those listed of the tribe of Reuben were forty-six thousand five hundred. Of the people of Simeon, their generation by their clans, by their fathers' houses, those of them who were listed according to the number of names, head by head, every male, from twenty years old and upward, all who were able to go to war. Those listed of the tribe of Simeon were fifty-nine thousand three hundred. Of the people of Gad, the generation by their clans by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from twenty years old and upward, all who were able to go to war, these listed of the tribe of Gad were forty six thousand six fifty. Of the people of Judah, their generations by their clans by their fathers' houses according to the number of names, from twenty years old and upward, every man able to go to war. Those listed in the tribe of Judah were 74,600. So 20 years old is synonymous with being a full-pledged man. Okay. 28, of the people of Issachar, their generation by their clans, by their father's houses, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war. Those listed in the tribe of Issachar were 54,400. I want you to notice here, not a woman is mentioned in this whole thing here. Okay. So that just gives you proof that God looks at men as the leaders of society. All right, um, verse 30, Of the people of Zebulun, their generation by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the numbers of names, from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those of the tribe of Zebulun were 57,400. Of the people of Joseph, namely of the people of Ephraim, their generation by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the numbers of names, from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war. These listed of the tribe of Ephraim were 40,500 or Ephraim, of the people of Manasseh, their generations by their clans by their fathers' houses, according to the numbers of names, from twenty years old and upward, every man able to go to war. Those listed of the tribe of Manasseh were thirty-two thousand two hundred. Of the people of Benjamin, their generations by their clans by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names, from twenty years old and upward, every man to go to war. Those listed of the tribe of Benjamin were thirty-five thousand four hundred. Of the people of Dan, their generations by their clans by their fathers' houses, according to the numbers of names. From twenty years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Dan, were sixty two thousand seven hundred. Of the people of Asher, their generations by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the numbers of names from twenty years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Asher, were forty one thousand five hundred. Of the people of Nephatili, their generations by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from twenty years old and upward, every man able to go to war. Those listed of the tribe of Naphtali were fifty-three thousand four hundred. All right, and let me count. Let me think this. I think it's twelve here. Let's see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yes, twelve. Of the twelve tribes of Israel, these are those who listened. Who Moses and Aaron listened with the help of the chiefs of Israel. Twelve men, each representing his father's house. So all those listed of the people of Israel by their fathers' houses. From 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war in Israel, all those listed were 603,550. And, of course, if you multiply that by the number of children that they probably had, it was over a million people. Okay. Verse 47, Levites exempted. But the Levites were not listed among them by their ancestral tribe. For the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not list, and you shall not take a census of them among the people. But appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, and over all its furnishings, and over all that belongs to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings, and they shall take care of it, and shall camp around the tabernacle. When the tabernacle is set out, the Levites shall take it down, and when the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. The people of Israel shall pitch their tents by their companies, each man in his own camp, and each man by his own standard. but the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, so that there may be no wrath in the congregation of of or the assembly of the people of Israel, and the Levites shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony, thus did the people of Israel they did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, all right Chapter two is the arrangement of the camp, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, The people of Israel shall camp each by his own standard with the banners of their fathers' houses. They shall camp facing the tent of the meeting on every side. Those that camp on the east side toward the sunrise shall be the standard of the camp of Judah by the companies. the chief of the people of Judah being Nashon the son of Amadab, the his company is listed being seventy four thousand six hundred. Those to the camp next to him shall be the tribe of Issachar, the chief of the people of Issachar, being Nathaniel the son of Zoar, his company, as listed being 54,400. It tells you how precise God is in terms of numbers. This is what I really like about this. Then the tribe of Zebulun, the chief of the people of Zebulun, being Eliab, the son of Helion. uh His company, as listed being 57,400. All those listed in the camp of Judah by their companies were 186,400. They shall... Set out first on the march. Verse 10. On the south side shall be the standard of the camp of Reuben by their companies, the chief of the people of Reuben being Eleazar, the son of Sadiar, his company as listed being 46,500. And those of the camp next to him shall be the tribe of Simeon, the chief of the people of Simeon being Shallumiel the son of Jura Shadi, his company as listed being 59,300. Then the tribe of Gad, the chief of the people of Gad being Elizaphan the son of Ruel, his company as his company is, is listed being forty six thousand six fifty. All those listed at the camp of Reuben by their companies were one hundred fifty one thousand four hundred fifty. They shall set out second. Then the tent of meeting shall set out with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camps as they camp so shall they set out, each in position, standard by standard. On the west side shall be the standard of the camp of Ephraim by their companies, the chief of the people of Ephraim being Elishama the son of. Amahad, his company is listed being 40,500, and next to him shall be the tribe of Manasseh, the chief of the people of Manasseh being Gamaliel, the son of Badazar, His company as listed being 32,200, so it gives you the leader of each of the tribes here that they pick. Then the tribe of Benjamin, the chief of the people of Benjamin being Adian, the son of Gideon. His company, uh, Gideoni, uh, rather, his company is being 35,400. All of those listed at the camp of Ephraim by their companies were one hundred and eight thousand one hundred. They shall set out the third on the march. On the north side shall be the standard of the camp of Dan by their companies, the chief of the people of Dan being Azir, the son of Amashadai. Uh, his company uh, as listed being 62,700, and those that camp next to him shall be the tribe of Asher, the chief of the people of Asher being Padiel, the son of Akron. his company is listed being 41,500. Then the tribe of Naphtali, the chief of the people of Naphtali, being Hariad, the son of Enon, his company is being listed 53,400, and all those listed at the camp of Dan were 157,600. They shall set out last, standard by standard. These are the people of Israel listed by their fathers' houses. All those listed in the camps by their companies were six hundred three thousand five hundred fifty. But the Levites were not listed among the people of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses. Thus did the people of Israel. Thus did the people of Israel, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they camped by their standards, and so they set out each one in his clan according to his father's house. Now, chapter three. These are the generations of Aaron and Moses. At the time when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai, these are the names of the sons of Aaron not, not, uh, Nadeb the firstborn, and Abihu, Elizer, and Thamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priests whom he ordained to serve as priests. But Nadeb and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. They, and they had no children, so they didn't do what God told them to do. And you do suffer. Believe me, uh, when you don't do what God tells you to do. So, Eleazar and Ulamar served as priests in the lifetime of Aaron their father. Verse 5. And the the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron the priest that they may minister to him. They shall keep guard over him and over the whole congregation before the tent of meeting as a minister at the tabernacle. They shall guard all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and keep guard over the people of Israel as a minister at the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons... They are wholly given to him from among the people of Israel. And you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall guard their priesthood. But if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people of Israel instead of every firstborn, who opens the womb among the people of Israel. The Levites shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine. On that day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated for my own all the firstborn in Israel, both of man and of beast, They shall be mine. I am the Lord. Verse 14. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, List the sons of Levi, by fathers, houses, and by clans. Every male from a month old and upward you shall list. So Moses, you know, this tells you that God likes to be organized. He likes to organize society. And that's the way we should have society organized today. And will be in the future. Verse 16. So Moses listed them according to the word of the Lord as he was commanded. And these were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon and Koth and Merari. And these are the names of the sons of Gershon by their clans, Libni and Shimei. And the sons of Kotha by their clans, Amram, Am- Azhar, Hebron, and Uzzel. And the names of Meri by their clans, Malai and Mushe, These are the clans of the Levites by their fathers' home, houses. Verse 21. To Gershon belonged the clan of the Lebanites and the clan of the Shemites. These were the clans of the Gershonites. Their listing, according to the number of all the males from a month old and upward, was 7,500. The clans of the Gershonites were to camp behind the tabernacle in the west with Elasip, the son of Leo, as chief of the father's house of the Gershonites. And the guard duty of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meeting involved the tabernacle, the tent with its covering, the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting. The hangings of the court, the screen for the door of the court that is around the tabernacle, and the altar, and its courts, all the service connected with these. To Kothoth belong the clan of the Amorites and the clan of the Ezraites and the clan of the Hebronites and the clan of the Uzzelites. These are the clans of the Kohathites. According to the number of all the males from a month old and upward, there were 8,600 keeping guard over the sanctuary. The clans of the sons of Kohath were to camp on the south side of the tabernacle of the son of Uzzel as the chief of the father's house of the clans of the Kohathites and their guard duty involved the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the vessels of the sanctuary of which the priests Minister and to screen all the service connected with these. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, was to be chief over the chiefs of the Levites and to have oversight of those who kept guard over sanctuary. So there is management within society, there is management among organizations. Verse 33 To Maryi belong the clan of Malites and the clan of the Mushites. These are the clans of Maryi. They're listening according to the number of all the males from a month old and upward, were 6,200 and the chief of the father's house of the clans of Merari to Israel, the son of Abahal. They were to camp on the north side of the tabernacle, and the appointed guard duty of the sons of Merari involved the frames of the tabernacle, the bars, the pillars, the bases, and all their accessories. All the service connected with these, also the pillars around the court, and with their bases and pegs and cores. Those who were to camp before the tabernacle on the east, before the tent of meeting, toward the sunrise, were Moses and Aaron and his sons, guarding the sanctuary itself to protect the people of Israel. And any outsider who came near was to be put to death. All those listed among the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron listed at the commandment of the Lord by clans. All the males from a month old and upward were 22,000. And the Lord said to Moses, List all the firstborn males of the people of Israel from a month old and upward, taking the number of their names, and you shall take the Levites from me. I am the Lord instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the people of Israel. So Moses listed all the firstborn among the people of Israel as the Lord commanded him. And all the firstborn males according to the number of names from a month old and upward as listed were 22,273. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel and the cattle, the Levites instead of their cattle. The Levites shall be mine, I am the Lord. And as the redemption price for the 273 of the firstborn of the people of Israel over and above the number of the male Levites, you shall take five shekels per head, you shall take them according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 garas, and give money to Aaron and his sons at the redemption price for those who are over. So God would normally take the firstborn, but there was a redemption price. And if you paid the redemption price, then you can keep the firstborn. So that, that's, that was the rule there. And give the money to Aaron and his sons at the redemption price for those who are over. And so Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those redeemed by the Levites from the firstborn of the people of Israel, he took the money. 1,360 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay, we have 20 more verses here. The Lord spoke to Moses in chapter 4 here, spoke to Moses saying, Take a census of the son of Kohath from the, among the sons of Levi by their clans and their fathers' houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old, all who can come on duty to the, do the work in the tent of the meeting. This is synonymous with ministry today. All right? Uh, this is the way ministry was done back then. This is the service of the sons of Koath and the tent of meeting, the most holy things. When the camp is is set out, Aaron and his sons shall go in and take down the veil of the screen and cover the ark of the testimony with it. Then they shall put on it a covering of goat skin and spread on the top of that of that a cloth of all blue and shall put in it poles. And over the table of the bread of the presence, they shall spread a cloth of blue and put on it the plates, and the dishes, for instance, the bowls and the flagons for the drink offering, the regular, the regular showbread shall be on it. Then they shall spread over them a cloth of scarlet, and cover the same with a covering of goatskin, and shall put in its poles. And they shall take a cloth of blue and cover the lampstand for the lamp with its lamps, its tongues, its trays, and all the vessels of oil with which it is supplied. And they shall put it with all the utensils and the covering of goatskin and put it on the carrying frame. And over the golden altar they shall spread a cloth of blue and cover it with a covering of goatskin and shall put in its poles. And they shall take all the vessels of the service that are used to the sanctuary and put them in a cloth of blue and cover them with a covering of goatskin and put them on the carrying frame. And they shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth over it. And they shall put on it all the utensils of the altar which are used for the service there, the fire pans, the forks, the shovels, and the basins, all the utensils of the altar, and they shall spread on it a covering of goatskin skin and shall put in an dispose. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary, and all the furnishings of the sanctuary as the camp sets out, after that the sons of Koab shall come to carry these, but they shall they for they must not touch the holy things that not they die. These are the things of the tent of meeting that the sons of Koab are to carry. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, shall have the charge of the oil for the light, the fragrant incense, the regular grain offering, and the anointing oil with the oversight of the whole tabernacle and all that is in it of the sanctuary and its vessels. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Let not the tribe of the clans of the Chorodites be destroyed among the Levites, but deal thus with them and they may that they may live and not die when they come near to the most holy things. Aaron and his sons shall go in and appoint them to each Appoint them each to his task and to his burden, but they shall not go in to look on the holy things, even for a moment, that not they die. Okay, so that, I know that was pretty long there, but um, let me just read the summary from Chabad here. I forgot to do that. Uh, the summary of this what we just read. In the Sinai Desert, God says to conduct the census of the 12 tribes of Israel. Moses counts 603,550 men of draftable age. 20 to 60 years, the tribe of Levi numbering 22,300 males age one month and older is counted separately. The Levites also did serve in the sanctuary, replacing the firstborn whose number they approximated and who were disqualified when they participated in the worshiping of the golden calf. The 273 firstborn who lacked a Levite to replace and had to pay a five shekel ransom to redeem themselves. When the people broke the camp, the three Lev- Levites clan dismantled and transported the sanctuary and reassembled it at the center of the next encampment then they erected their own tents around it the Kohathites, who carried the sanctuary's vessels the ark the menorah and their specially designed coverings on their shoulders camp to its south the gershonites in charge of his, tape, the, uh, of his uh, tapestries and roof coverings to its west and the families of Marii, who transported his wall panels and pillars to his north before the sanctuary's Interest way to his east were the tents of Moses, Aaron, and Aaron's sons. Beyond the Levite circle, the 12 tribes camped in four groups of three tribes east. To the east were Judah, 74,600, Issachar, 54,400, Zebulun, 57,400. To the south, Reuben, 46,500, Simeon, 59,300, and Gad, forty-five thousand six fifty. To the west, Ephraim, 40,500, Manasseh, 32,200, and Benjamin, 35,400. And to the north, Dan, sixty-two thousand seven hundred. Asher, forty-one thousand five hundred. Nephatili, fifty-three thousand four hundred. This formation was kept also while traveling. Each tribe had his own posse, prince or leader, and his own flag with his tribal color and emblem. Okay, so that pretty much gives you a description of uh, how things were organized back then, and how things will be organized in the future when the uh, Messiah comes back. So let's turn to the prophet section of the Torah reading today. Uh, it's Hosea chapter two, starting in verse one. Then, for those women li- libs or whoever doesn't understand, obviously God chooses men to be the leaders of society. I mean, proof of that. You didn't? I read all that whole thing to you. Not one woman was. Uh, was there a woman's name mentioned at all in that tree? Okay. I just want to double-check. Hosea. The prophet Hosea, chapter uh, 2, starting at verse 1. He says, say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. And this is God, because he viewed the congregation of Israel, and he does today, as his wife. That she put away her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. He's talking in a way that we can understand. And that's the way he views the congregation of Israel today, the assembly of Israel. If you understand who Israel is, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Israel consists of 12 tribes, as we just read about. But historians are blinded, most of them. They think that the 12 tribes of Israel are lost. No, they're only lost to people who don't know. God has graciously and mercifully revealed to me who the 12 tribes of Israel are. One of those tribes people can identify with today, uh, the Jews, are the tribe of Judah. Uh, the tribe of Benjamin and Levite has merged or assimilated with the Jews, so they're all considered Jews. But the rest of the tribes, uh, the the ten tribes, the lost ten tribes of Israel, uh, they have been rediscovered uh, initially by uh, people that, that uh, some people of Israel that God inspired, but it has really been actually certified by a Jew today. This understanding. His name is Yer Davidi. His website is www.b as in boy, r-i-t as in Tom, a-m dot org. That's b-r-i-t as in Tom, a as in Apple, m as in Mother, dot org. He has secular and scriptural proof that the 12 tribes of Israel consist geographically today of the following nations. The United States, Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, the countries in Northwestern Europe, I think I just mentioned South Africa. Okay? Uh, Canada. Though, geographically, all those nations, all those nations are a part of Israel today, including the little nation of Israel in the Middle East, which consists of the tribes of Judah, Benjamin, and Levite. So that is the truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. And for you to prove this, you go to www.britam, B as in boy, r i T-A-M dot org The fact that if you take a map and I got this map from uh, the Persecuted uh, That's the name of their magazine per- the Persecuted or whatever And they have a map of where Christianity is allowed uh, Or the Bible uh, You look at Russia And you look at certain parts of Russia And then definitely China And, and certain other areas uh, um, It's not allowed Second of all most of the Bible distributions are in those areas I told you about, so that that is one proof another proof that proves that we are Israel is that god nicknames nicknames us uh Jezrun, and we wax fat and the united states is 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 one of the if not the fattest nation in the world and in all those other regions uh our peoples we, we are really plumpy you know you ever seen the Pil- Pillsbury boy you you uh Poke his little stomach. And go hee hee. Well, you know that that's that's what we are basically. I mean, we're, we're fat folks, and we love to eat. And uh, he, he tells us that. Um, uh, hold your place here. Let me just turn to Deuteronomy here, real quick. Deuteronomy, to prove my point here. I got to type type um, on Google: United States, one of the fattest nations in the world. And I'm sure you'll come up with stuff. But anyway, Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two. And he talks about Israel. And he says here about Israel, verse 15, But Jezreel grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scoffed him at the rock of his salvation. So that's one of the characteristics of Israel, is that we we have waxed fat. And then, you know, waxing fat, being fat is, uh, whether you realize it or not, is is really a characteristic of being lazy, not doing what you're supposed to do. And then when you get fat, you get complacent, and you instead of becoming proactive, which is you plan for contingencies or problems, you become reactive. And when things happen, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, you know. And and when you get fat, it affects you psychologically and physically. And that's what God is talking about here, and our peoples above all peoples on the earth, fit that description perfectly. Uh, not only are we fat, but we also are blessed with tremendous, tremendous blessings, as, as it states here again in Deuteronomy. And let me turn here again. Deuteronomy chapter 32. It says, um, he talks about Israel here. And then in verse 32, uh, this is a prophecy. It's a song of Moses, a prophecy. Deuteronomy 32, verse 1. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. So this is a this is a proclamation for the whole world to listen to. It says, may my teaching drop as a rain, and my speech is still as it dew And it says here that, um, I just wanted to jot down here.
0: And in verse 7
1: it says, um, remember the days of old, And I hear some people saying, well, I'm tired It's the same old thing all the time. Well, you know, God says, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, he will show you, or supposed to show you, um, your elders, and they will tell you when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of peoples, according to the numbers of the sons of God. But the the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, which is Israel, uh, is is his allotted heritage. He found him in a desert. And in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up his nest, that flutters over his youth, spreading out his wings, catching them, bearing them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field, and he sucked him with honey out of the rock and out of the plenty rock, curds from the herd and milk from the flock with fat of lambs and rams of bashan and goats, and with the very finest of the wheat. And you drank foaming wine from uh, the blood of the grape. All right, so we had the best of the best. And that's our peoples. But anyway, Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2, starting in verse uh, 2. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband, that she put away her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts, that I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness and make her like a parched land and kill her with thirst. Upon her children also I will have no mercy, because they are children of whoredom. For their mother has played the whore. So not only did he say he's going to curse Israel, but the children of Israel. And they'll curse today. Verse 5, for their mother has played the whore. She who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax and my oil and my drink therefore i will hedge up her with thorns and i will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her path she shall pursue her lovers but not overtake them and she shall seek them but shall not find them then she shall say i will go and return to my first husband for it was better for me than it was better for me then than now and she did not know that it was i who gave her the grain the wine and the oil and lavish her on her silver and gold, which they use for bail. In other words, they use it to consume upon their own lust. And when God talks like that, you know, coveting is is idolatry. Verse 9. Therefore I will take back my grain in this time and my wine in this season. I will take away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. And I will put an end to all her mirth, her feasts, her new moons, her Shabbats, and all her appointed feasts. And I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which said, These are my wages which my lovers have given me. I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall devour them. And I will punish her for the feast days of Baals, when she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with her ring and jewelry, and went after her lovers, and forgot me, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will lure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley acre a door of hope, and there she shall answer as in the days of the youth and at the time when she came out of the land of Israel. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make them for an agreement on that day with the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the, bow, the sword and the war from the land, and I will make you lie down and safely. And I would betroth you to me forever. And I would betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, and steadfast loving and mercy. I would betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Okay, so that's good news in the future that the sins of Israel and all those areas I told you about geographically, um, and of course those who accept Yeshua as the Messiah are also automatically grafted into the Commonwealth of Israel. And and, uh, that means everybody is is welcome to follow the nation of Israel. Okay, and the Renewed Covenant Scriptures, or what is commonly called the New Testament, uh, Revelation chapter 7. Now this is also a numbering of the tribes of Israel. That's the reason why I chose this. And this is in the context of after the, uh, as I stated a few times in this program, God's judgments consist of three categories: seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven plagues. At this particular point in the Book of Revelation, which was written for the 21st century, uh, this is at the time when the seven, the the, uh, the seventh seal has been, or actually the sixth seal, has been removed. Okay, and before the seventh seal is removed, God is going to protect or seal uh, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. And then also he talks about a great multitude of all nations. And I'm going to read this whole chapter in the context of what we read today. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 1. After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. In other words, there were the four corners of the earth, north, south, east, and west. Uh, The whole earth is involved here. Holding back the four winds of the earth from each of those directions, north, south, east, and west, that no wind might blow on the earth or sea against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard a number of uh, of seals, I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel: 12,000 from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun. 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, and 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. So God is going to do a reorganization here in the future during uh, the uh, tribulation here. Now, in chapter 9, after this I behold, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. Whenever you see that, that wording, especially in the book of Revelation, before the throne means that Obviously, uh, they're in heaven, because if you turn to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. And I may need to, let me go to my trusty concordance here real quick. I think it's in Matthew chapter 5. Yes, yes it is. Matthew chapter 5, verse 34. It says, But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. So the throne of God is heaven, folks. In most cases, that is heaven, according to what the Bible says. So if we go back to uh, Revelation chapter 7, these people are in heaven, based on the interpretation of the Bible. And they're before the Lamb, who is in heaven, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. That's an allusion to the Sukkot of the tabernacle, Feast of Tabernacles, when you understand it. And crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne in heaven, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders. And and that tells you they're in heaven, just based on the background here. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worship God, saying, Amen, blessed, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Verse 13, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from which have they come? And in verse 14, I said to them, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They came out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God in heaven, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who and there's a temple in heaven, by the way, He who sits on the throne shall shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne. He will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away. Uh, every tear from their eyes. So they're going to serve God in heaven, but they also will serve on the earth as well. So they'll be going back and forth to heaven and to the earth. Um, The Bible tells us that the believers will be priests of God and of Christ. Okay, So we're going to serve God the Father, and we're also going to serve... um, Sure, too I mean, see if I can find some scriptures here uh, that revealed this here if I can spell priest there we go yeah Revelation 1 verse 6 Let me read this in the King James Version and he has made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him forever so we're going to be priests of God And then Revelation 5, verse 10, and has made us into our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Although the New Jerusalem is going to still be in heaven at the time when Christ comes back. So we're going to, that's our, really our permanent abode there. But we are going to be allowed to go back and forth to our permanent abode to the earth. We're going to rule humans over the earth. And then, revelation 20 verse 6 blessed and holy is he that have part in the first resurrection on such the second death have no power but they shall be priests of god and of christ and shall reign with him a thousand years okay so that reveals that we're going to be serving god the father in heaven in His temple and then on the earth uh, we're going to be doing doing both I don't know if that's been been preached or not. It seems like it's it's only heaven or the earth, you know. You get some people saying, oh, we're just going to be in heaven. And you get some people saying, oh, we're just going to serve on the earth. The truth of the matter is is we're going to be serving in heaven and serving on earth. Okay, that's what Revelation chapter 7 reveals. All right, so um, I think I'm through here if there's anyone that wants to uh, call in. Call in here if you have any questions. Uh, number, call in number is one three four seven nine four five seven five two five. 945 7525. That's one three four seven 945 7525. I'll just wait a few minutes, and if I don't receive any phone calls, then we'll pick up next week. Or you can email me if you want, uh, kennard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. If you have any questions about what we discussed today or any other things that you need help with. Okay, well, uh, we will go ahead then and um, close out today, and I will uh, speak to you next week, God willing. May God bless and keep you, and uh, may you have a pleasant uh, Shabbat. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch.